Welcome to part 2 of Julia's multiple chemical sensitivity recovery success story. In this part we take a deep dive into brain training for multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome or MCS and how this forms part of a multilateral recovery approach that has to be tailored. There is no magic panacea cure, but as you will hear, using a range of treatments for MCS certainly makes recovery possible. In part one of this interview, we spoke about Julia's history. We discussed what might have triggered her experience of multiple chemical sensitivity, MCS, as well as her dramatic hardships and turning points. We also took a deep dive into diet, so I encourage you to check that out first. Besides the multiple brain training strategies that Julia has learned from the ANSBY program, we also discuss her physical activity approach, which many people would identify as a combination of pacing and graded exercise therapy. But as you might know, it's a fine balancing act and we try to give such physical strategies a context here with how this is combined with brain training for recovery from MCS. Whilst there is a special insights portion of the interview in the program around some of the brain training techniques which need the context of the education program, I want to share as much as possible in this public portion to help you all gain insights and possible treatments and strategy ideas. Hence, the length of the interview. Please note, this interview with Julia refers to suicidal ideation. If that's not appropriate for you to listen to, please check out one of the other multiple chemical sensitivity recovery stories on the channel. Just visit the homepage and look for the playlist. I hope you are inspired by Julia's descriptions of brain training for multiple chemical sensitivity MCS in her recovery and the other treatment approaches that she shares. Just a short but important message regarding the content of this podcast. The ideas, concepts and opinions expressed in this recording, website and associated media and products are intended to be used for educational and information purposes only. Nothing presented is intended to replace your physician, nor are they a substitute for medical diagnosis, advice or treatment. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the authors, guests, speakers and publishers are not rendering medical advice of any kind. Okay, let's get into the interview now. What else? Um, what's this brain training stuff and what are you doing with well, the chemicals? I mean, how do you move forward? When my body was fine again and I started to get strength, I realized, okay, the whole story is over. My body is getting well. My gut is feeling good. Now I still have to, but I'm still getting reactions when I go into chemicals. So that's where the neuro, the uh, neurological rewiring comes in. And mm-hmm. um, I realized that I'll have to get exposure to tell my brain, okay, you're fine with it. Now you can work with it again. Because my brain, my brain has basically been trying to rescue me from the danger. And back then it was danger. And that traumatic uh, moment of chemical exposure, of other trauma, it was a danger. But right now my body's fine. Mm. And now I can tell my brain to get well again. But therefore, I have to be exposed to a chemical because I can't tell my brain to get well to a chemical it doesn't have. So, yeah, but, um, uh, I, this sounds like crazy talk, Julia. I mean, if you know that it's going to make you sick, you know, like you've been sick for like severely sick. In Uruguay, you were like uh, gravely ill, right? Let's use it that, that, that term, right? Okay, gravely <laughs> ill. Then you're spending like years in Germany, you were like, you know, bed bound and house bound. And every time you smell something, you get terribly worse. It's not like you're imagining it, right? Okay. In fact, you didn't even know that the smells were a problem for a long time. You only worked it out later on. So clearly it's not imagined, right? And 
So you get a little bit better with the diet and, and some of the other strategies and anus rewire and, and obviously some of them you, you, you already done before anus rewire like the diet but you know you fine-tuned it and all this with the blood sugar and and a healing environment meditation great you you sort of somewhat en energize a little bit of energy a little bit better and you say well, now i'm going to go expose myself but i mean aren't you thinking i'm going to expose myself and <laughs> it's going to make me worse because it's always made you worse right it's logic that's that's like the logic thing about it <clears throat> and you just need to to overcome that in the first moment because if you think about it logically um, your body is now in a state again that it can handle those things. Mm -hmm. You just have to make aware to yourself that you can handle those things again. If you go into the situation without rewiring because you think, no, 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 no I'm feeling a bit better and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be fine. You think that and you don't do your rewiring, you'll get back to the same effect because your body, as soon as you get into the flight or flight, fight or flight reflex, your amygdala gets into the mode where it has to push the resources into the direction that goes away from detoxing, away from digesting, away from those things that you actually need to keep running. So you actually have to go into the situation and tell your brain, okay, now you don't go into fight or flight because we need to detox. I know you can do that. I know you can detox that. This is not a scary situation and you actually have to figure out because I'm saying this is not a scary situation. Very good thing. You have to figure out how to talk to your brain because your mm. brain doesn't know negations. It doesn't mm. understand not. It just yeah. understands problem. Yeah. Absolutely. If you say there's no problem, it understands problem. Okay? Of course. So you're going right. to learn to communicate with yourself because at all times we are in a certain communication with ourselves. Mm. And we have to get in there while our system is used to pull onto autopilot in certain situations. And we love autopilot because it's so easy. We have to now observe our body because usually I used to go into situations when I, when I just needed an exposure. Hey, I needed to see a friend every once in a while. So I went into the exposure, pushed away all the symptoms in my thoughts, concentrated very much on that friend and that situation. And after like two hours, Chris would come to me and say, Hey, Julie, your lips are getting blue. You gotta go because that that was a very clear sign. And uh, now I actually had to switch to, okay, I'm observing my body. What does my body do? What are my reactions to this right now? And how do I reverse it? How do I speak to my brain? How do I make it clear to my brain that this is not a dangerous moment anymore, that we are past that? Mm. Mm. I think that was one of the most helpful and most important things to end this whole process. Mm. Because otherwise it just goes down again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you, you've done a, a fantastic job to take all those lessons on board, you know. And, and I often talk to people about how important it is to be ready. <laughs> ready to take those learnings on um, but you know specifically let's talk about did you do exposures on purpose like would you say okay I'm gonna expose myself by smelling something or meeting with someone who smells and then what was your first experience like the first time you did it okay. were you like I'm doing this and I'm gonna get sick and I, and then when you <laughs> smelt it I mean what's how are you feeling that the moment that smell hits you okay well, basically, we had a neighbor um, that just moved in, and she is wearing heavy cologne, lesbian, real manly man cologne, you know. So that blows you away from when she enters <laughs> the, the property. And um, she, she did not wear perfume, but obviously perfume was all over her, and I invited her into my apartment, and we said, like, well, I discussed this with her. I told her this is now a training. I'm doing this retraining and she was with me on board. Now she's a friend. And um, she'd just come over. We'd sit together. We'd uh, have a cup of tea and mm. we'd have a conversation. And okay. during that conversation, I was basically correcting myself, like correcting the system, taking the autopilot out mm -hmm. of breathing, body structure, facial expression and thoughts 
Right. I was you did a perfect job. <laughs> Good on you. Well done. But it was it was tough, man. It was yeah. tough having yeah. a conversation running and next to that saying that you are, you know, doing the right thing. Doing the things. It's not easy. So no. I was really tired in the beginning. I was sleeping a lot because mm. of all the bra brain work. It's real brain work. Mm. Because it's it's interesting because obviously all these things that happen, whether they're uh, mental, psychological, or physiological, and you know obviously we use all of the mechanisms to retrain the nervous system to change that exposure. I mean. That's a lot of stuff going on, and and they happen automatically. And then you're trying to have a conversation, and then and you're getting the smells, and then the fear comes up, and then you know, and the body is changing, and then the thoughts are changing, and then this is hard work, right? Uh, I mean, were you freaked out? Were you fearful? Oh my god, I'm going to do this, and maybe it's going to make me really sick. Was that a, was that a, in front of mind? Dan, you're talking to an adrenaline junkie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was not afraid. You're I was like, afraid. okay, I'm going to do this now. Yeah, because you felt um, convinced, I guess, by the underlying explanation and the tools. I knew I, knew I could do it. I yeah. knew. And that's the one thing. Like, from the moment I got diagnosed with MCS, I always knew that I'm going to heal myself. That, yes. That's what, what my mind was set on, because I have things to do in this life, man. And that was very important. Things yeah. to do in my life. Um, having a goal, having yeah. dreams, even though you're lying there. I was a actually, all this time I was lying there, I spent a lot of time meditating on my future, building mm -hmm. my future, mm -hmm. which I'm now living. Yeah, it's fantastic. And <laughs> and look, I'm hoping people are really listening carefully. See, it's one thing having all the tools in the program that we talk about, you know, all the physical, neurological, uh, mental, uh, psychological, all the rewiring the exposure therapy, uh, the physical strategies, uh, all of this stuff. But, you know, it's not like taking a pill. Like, it's a bunch of stuff you've got to do. And it's a bunch of stuff you might not like to do. Much stuff yeah. you, you don't want to do. Maybe changing your diet or, or doing things. Uh, and and the fear, overcoming not the fear. Yeah. Not eating chocolate, no coffee. I, I mean, yes, it's things you don't want That's to do. Completely oh, un-German, oh. no coffee. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't chuck it out of the country. Um, so, because <laughs> I know what coffee is like in Germany. I remember, you know, uh, when I was a scientist you know, in Australia, when you're a scientist, you go into a laboratory and there is a cup from the 1960s and a kettle from like the 1940s, right? It's still working in the corner of the laboratory. And then you make yourself like a cup, you know, uh, with instant coffee. But in Germany, you go into the laboratory and you sit down and you have the cup half the size, yes? But there's a whole jug of coffee. And I'm like, who's coming? It's uh, just the two of us. And I'm like, <laughs> there's enough coffee here for like the, the uh, half the laboratory. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but yeah, anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> First of all, it's not instant coffee. It's no, coffee, it's, coffee. It's proper coffee. I understand. I understand. Well, don't worry. Coffee culture has come to Australia now. Um, yeah. No, no. That, and that's actually, um, while I've been, when I was doing the consulting, that was actually one of the main problems that people wouldn't commit 100%. And hey, I, I liked it the way you also said it, you know, don't be 100% strict. 99% is fine. But those 99% have to be there. Mm. And a lot of people um, said, well, but I do need my marmalade bread on the morning, in the mm. morning. Mm. And I'm like, listen, cutting down on sugar, not eating sugar is very essential. And, um, well, you really got to put your mind and your heart and your, your ass to it. Because mm. healing from that is hardcore. Yeah. It's not easy. It is so there comes this point, isn't it, where you say, I have to do it. I'm going to do it because, you know, like, I mean, everybody says, oh, I'm going to look like a bodybuilder. I want to fit in a perfect bikini. Well, I, I don't want to fit in a bikini, but you know what I mean. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everyone's got these ideals, but then people don't actually do it. But so in order to do something that is hard, we need strong motivation. So now getting away from the illness is a huge motivator. Huge. Right. But is it enough? 
this the illness has to be severe enough and well as it, it it appeared to me sometimes that the suffering isn't big enough even though mcs takes away everything from you mm. the suffering is not enough for some people to commit a hundred percent and just so, say okay well screw it for three months for six months for one year i'm i'm not going to enjoy certain things i'm just going to put my ass into this but afterwards it's going to be lovely and i can enjoy those things again without okay. symptoms and without all this so and i think what you're talking about here is a really key thing how people are listening closely you know why do we do this right because the truth is julia you're the same i'm the same other people are saying we think we're different we're not we're all the same so what is the gap yeah. between i'm gonna do it and why would you not eat the marmalade toast in the morning right like what where, where's how what is the transition and the transition is the education it's the same reason why you didn't absolutely freak out right because because you had all the science and all the education and all the tools and so then you look at it and say well this can work this will work this makes sense this this must work so therefore I, I i can do it but if i think this is all a bunch of stuff i'm trying uh it's like a fairy tale oh you can't recover and uh this is like psychosomatic yeah. or something like this then like why are you giving up the tiny thin thread of joy that's that's all that's left <laughs> in your life so that maybe if yeah. i don't have that tiny bit of joy that i'm clutching onto i'm going to be well in a year it makes no sense yeah. It makes no sense to do it unless you actually believe that there will be an outcome. Yeah, sometimes even even the knowledge doesn't bring the people there. Like uh, no, most of the people, as long as they understand it, they will follow it. But mm. you always have those two, three patients that are in a state of mind and in a place that they can't be helped in yeah. anymore, and that is very, very sad. But that is a fact that there are some people that don't make it anymore. Yeah. But the thing is, what I've seen is I've seen people turn it around from the worst of circumstances. The worst of circumstances. It, it is not about what's, how sick we are or what circumstances we're in. It is about, it's about finding that resolve in ourselves. And I hope that people are listening to that because we often think, oh yeah, but I'm in, I didn't live in a MCS you know friendly house next to the forest right i'm living in the city with toxins and with somebody who's giving me a hard time well you know what i've met people who were in that situation and also they recovered right really of course but they found in themselves the strength and the power the personal power to create changes in their lives when everybody would look at it and say it's not possible how can you do it <laughs> right have you have you met an mcs patient that has been in an abusive home that recovered yeah but they didn't stay there okay <laughs> okay now we're getting there <laughs> yeah but they didn't stay there but the point is like you say well how can you get out if you're so sick you can't look after yourself how can you leave right so the point is they found a way they find a way to do the impossible, right? That's the thing with MCS. It is very seldom that people in a very late stage still have someone like that. The patient that I was talking about was lonely, like a yeah, single person. These people are often, usually on their own. Everybody is usually on their own. Once you're sick long enough, you don't have friends or not. You don't see them, you know. Or not everyone, but many people. But anyway, let's let's move forward. Like, so you're doing this, right? And uh, I imagine though it still makes you feel uncomfortable. I mean, maybe you're not freaked out, but you must be uncomfortable at the idea of exposing yourself to these things, right? Of course, I know they're toxic. It doesn't do me well, of course. Yeah, you're doing it and you're doing your retraining uh, that you're learning at the same time as the exposures. And then what happens? Do you get sick again? Do you have worse things? Do you have little mini flare-ups? And then how do you deal with have, that? I did have many flare-ups in the beginning. Mm. So and isn't this like really I, tricky? Because you already know, hey, I get exposed and then I get sick. And then you say, well, now I'm going to yeah. do retraining. Yeah. And then you get exposed and you get sick again. 
How do you deal with well, that? Well, it's part of the healing. It's part of the healing process. It's like when I was doing in the beginning, um, you get the first strength and I I took a crazy walk. Man, I was out in the forest and I could walk and walk and walk. And, oh my gosh, I have to walk. And then I got home and I still had spoons left. So I just, you know, I, I, I did a little painting. I did a little something here, a little little something there and then my husband stepped in and he was like julie don't you think this is a little over the top and i was like honey i'm just gonna finish this just quickly just quickly and he was like well you grown up you gotta know yeah of course i was down the next day <laughs> i was lying for two days again but then i was like okay it's fine um i gave and that's the next thing um, that she said, which was really helpful, I started resting. Hmm. I didn't lie there and reminisce about what I was not able to do anymore today because I did something yesterday or hmm. what what I could have done, what I would have done. I just rested. I meditated and I stayed calm and I did things that soothed my soul and I told my body, okay, it's fine now, you can heal again. Sorry. It's been a bit too much, but I'm going to get you back on track. Tomorrow's better again. And when the next day wasn't better, I did the same thing for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, um, and I guess, I mean, resting, I've got to sort of interject here with, with the listener's perspective because they're like, she's lying in bed for years, hardly getting out, and now she's going to start resting. You're like, I mean, what have you been doing? You're lying in bed, you can't get out? I mean, you've been resting for years. <laughs> So, so do you want to help people understand what the difference is between yeah. resting and between not doing anything? Yeah, well, there's a huge difference actually between it and you'd not imagine it's so big, but it's actually tremendous immune. It's huge. I used to lie there for years thinking and stressing myself. You can lie there completely. You're your muscles will semi-relax and stress yourself because of the things you can't do, because of the friends you can't meet, because of the life that's going down the drain. Um, the bleak future. Pardon? Because such a bleak future too, isn't it? It's not like, oh, this is happening for two days because I've got a cold and then on next week I'll be back at work. It's not like that, is it? It's like, this is how it is. This is... Exactly. You get into negative thinking patterns and that just goes down. So that's not going to give your body any recovery. And recovery is actually what your body needs. Just imagine, like I said before, the marathon and the night of yeah. heavy drinking afterwards. Yeah. Um, what your body needs then is rest where you are loving your body. Because I started hating my body. I hated my body so much because of what it was doing to me, um, because it wasn't functioning. The machine was just not working. And um, I had to change that thinking into, okay, you've been through a lot. I've realized that that trauma, physical, chemical, all of that has been a hammer to you. So now I'm going to be loving and peaceful. I'm going to give you meditation. I'm going to give you good thoughts. I'm going to give you podcasts which build your future, which educate you. Um, I'm going to give you peaceful sleep. Sleep is really important. But you can only get to the sleeping part if you get into the relaxing state of positivity first. Do you think you're always a positive person? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what people say about me. Okay. I'm crazy and I'm positive. Okay. <laughs> so, so you didn't find it hard that even after you know 10 years of illness and well i mean you probably had eight years of illness as a child then another you know 12 years of illness and then another year or two of being bed bound i mean now you're being positive i mean like what's wrong with you <laughs> don't you Probably. realize it's all terrible <laughs> Oh, oh, now, yeah, I mean, yeah. now, jokes aside, I mean, did you did you struggle with being positive? I mean, you must have struggled after all, maybe you know, all those years, or, or did you find a way to become positive? I did have breakdowns 
when I was when my husband and I returned from Uruguay and we were living with my brother in his one room apartment because he was the only person willing to live toxic free. Of course, I didn't see any future anymore. Of course, I did have moments where I I didn't know if I was going to choose death or if it was going to be half or death. Of course, I did have dark places in my mind. I had horrible times, but um, I've always been a very mindful person. I'm like, okay, what does this bring you right now? Um, it brings bad moods to you and your partner. It doesn't bring you anything positive into your future because your thinking makes your future. I'm, I'm one of those people that think, well, what you think is going to happen. Mm. And um, so I've been learning to not believe every thought I have to prove my thoughts and then decide which thoughts I'm going to have. It is mm. not, of course, I'm a very sunny person because I mean, then come on, I'm white, I'm privileged in this freaking world. Look at the world. I was raised in Africa. Of course, I get up and I'm happy in the morning because I don't even think of worries like, do I have Okay, now I did I did have problems with MCS that where I didn't have a roof over my head, running water, a washing machine that I could use, um, all those amenities that are just natural. So mm. from the point on that I had those things again, all those amenities, well, just focus on the positive. It's a choice. Mm. Mm. It is every day, every moment, every second, it is a choice. So look, I, I appreciate you know, I mean, oh, this is a common theme. And, and, and what we're talking about here, I think, is really important. People think it's about the treatments or it's about the uh, training or the approaches or the diet. And yes, those things are all important. But if you look at the ANS Rewire program, they don't come, many of those things don't come until like quite a bit down the track, right? Uh, in the beginning, it's all about the education and the science. And then we have this coaching component because. When you're so diminished, how can you do anything, right? Like, how can you even make a different food choice? I've had people who couldn't <laughs> even get food, right? It's yes. like, you know, yes. so yeah. you're in such a bad state and then you're having all these, this suffering and so much for so long and there seems to be no hope. And, and, and so we go to these dark places and you talk about really dark places. Uh, you talked even about suicide and... Very common, yes. It's very common, but so we're there because we go, we can't live like this and we're suffering. But when you're in that moment, how do we, what do we clutch onto to lift us? It's all nice and talking about the positivity and challenging your thoughts and all this. And I think maybe those things are more available to us when we're, you know, if this, you know, not not in the best state, but not in the worst state, somewhere in the middle, or maybe even towards the bad state, but you know, your reasonable functioning, you can access those resources in yourself, can't you? And say, well, let me challenge this thought, is this sensible, what choice do I want to make, and try and get some discipline. But, but you know that feeling when you feel so powerless and so diminished, so exhausted physically, you mentally? From the outside you do have those moments where you need something from the outside when you okay. are broke emotionally i call it emotionally broke you you need something from the outside to mm -hmm. come to to give you power again to give you that's why it's so important to have a person that assists you with yeah. it you need music for instance you need vibrations from the outside that are positive. You need someone that loves you and cares for you. Cats, cats are also cool. Cats yeah. and dogs. Yeah. Pretty as long cool. as you don't have uh, allergy problems with the cats. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Otherwise, maybe you'd rather get a hamster or a guinea pig. <laughs> See, and we're making a joke here, but it's not a joke, actually. See, immediately, boom. So I tell you that you can't get the cat immediately, boom, there's a hamster, right? So the point is, when we don't find a solution, when we don't have a solution, we yeah. we can't do this because blah blah blah. Then what else? Find something different. I can't. I don't have somebody who loves me. I find someone different. I love myself more. Right. I connect with someone who likes yes. me. Yes. Uh, 
So I think, what were the things that lifted you up? What, what did you, when you had those dark moments, we really struggled because, because getting away from pain just isn't enough. So tell me, what did you do in your mind? How did you pull yourself up? I was thinking, I was imagining on the future. I knew, I knew that once I had a goal, I could, I was, I always got my goal set through. Um, <laughs> maybe because of a Capricorn. But I set my mind on that goal and I lived and I felt the moment of the goal, which is actually part of meditation, hey. Mm. And, uh, well, if I couldn't concentrate on that because my, my mind just kept going back to ba bad places, I really, I used music a lot. Mm. Music, music is good. What kind of um, music? Or I watched Duck. Um, well, Dan, I listen to a lot of music. Well, I like happy music is my happy music is reggae. Um, sometimes yeah. more calming, some classic. Mm -hmm. Um but or some jazz some vocal jazz is also good for for high vibrations i also like some some spanish music like taimane for instance just music that's uplifting um, i'm not listening um there is music when i'm really angry at someone i need different music i need metal i need new metal i need someone who screams it out for me because i can't scream right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it that's so, so true i listen to I listen to yeah. all types of music and cool. you just need to figure out which type of music is it right now. Um, an MCS patient who's on the way to healing now, mm. um, which I'm not that much in contact with, unfortunately, anymore, but his name is Simon Down. He's creating healing sounds. Mm. Sometimes, you know, healing sounds also help. Mm. But um, if you're in a really dark place, you need something happy, I think. Yeah. Not something relaxing, but something happy. Yeah. And so, yeah, work with the emotions as well. I'm kind of curious, like, um, you know, in our industry, why we talk about strategies like that, right? We talk about specifically music and changing, you know, the physical uh, acts of uh, transforming your mental state and all of that. But I'm, I'm wondering, you know, were you already doing that before ANS Rewire or did a lot of these strategies come in during ANS Rewire? The, the, Partially. Like, like some of the strategies, like for instance, like getting my emotions set, that's what I did before, like dancing. <clears throat> I grew up in Africa, so dancing is just part of our way to get us happy again. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's easier for us to get back into positivity mm -hmm. just because of the mental state, I think. Mm. Um, but there are certain techniques that I applied to rewiring the system. Like when I'm in the middle of the exposure, I don't start dancing. Mm. <laughs> there were... A couple of techniques that that you give the people um that you use in the situation that you um yes. like for instance yeah watching your posture and, yeah. um, and watching your facial expression yeah um and a couple of other things like thinking patterns that you do then mm. those are things mm. that um i learned through the ans program yeah which was yeah. obviously easier to combine if you're already working with your emotions it's yeah. easier to it's easier to handle the dragon if you've ridden him once before. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that is so true. Okay, so you're doing this. Um, now, your recovery took about a year, as I understand, right? Is that right? Yeah. And, um, well, but it you took did... six months until I, was, until I was feeling fine again. And then it took like one year till like full boost. I yes. didn't know what it felt like anymore. Well, I mean, the thing is, between 10 and 18, you probably had some idea of a normal normal health, but there's big gaps in your life. It must be kind of weird, like, am I well now? Uh, am I well? Uh, I think this is well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I didn't know what well was anymore because I didn't know what a built-up muscle feels like. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, like opening, opening bottles that are, you know, not easy to be open, just yeah. being able to open them anymore. I just mm. forgot what that's like. I thought it's normal to ask a partner for help. <laughs> <laughs> Silly as it is, but our, our mind finds strategies to cope with things. <laughs> Coping mechanisms, that's right. We, we yes. augment our reality, do we not? Um, so, okay, so you're doing this, and uh, but, but you did also have uh, some very positive feedback very quickly, like within within six weeks of doing that uh, neural training from the program and, and, and the exposure therapy and all the other stuff, 
I guess, do you think that was really, really, how important do you think that was in terms of keeping motivated that this was working? You know what I mean? Like, how do you think it would have really? gone if, if that hadn't happened? <clears throat> if I would have had success later, it would have been harder to carry on, of course. Mm. But the longer you do something without result, um the harder it gets obviously mm. if you're not getting something out of it why the hell are you doing it mm. Mm. but i think with, especially with mcs um it is important i see patients that um i've consulted for for quite a while that are still working with the things that i've gave given them and i'm glad they continue because it just takes a lot of patience sometimes mm. to mm. get better depending on the state that you are in the situation that you are having well sometimes patients even in a not perfect environment can get back on track it just takes a bit more time then mm. hey mm. and then it's important to be patient i think and i think one of the things to to if we listen to your story i mean we talk about the six weeks period after you start the program where you went from essentially pretty housebound right uh bed bound housebound to suddenly being able to get out and not well but i don't know what percentage recovered were you after a couple of months maybe 50 percent is that the ballpark yeah yeah i'd say yeah. after like six weeks i was 50 percent there yeah. and no i'm like i'd say good 95 yeah there's like still a five percent that i can do on my power but yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you can track up some extra weights there i'm just wondering you know when you first had it like was it after a week or two i mean were you confident that you were getting better or were you going mm, maybe i'm imagining it or what was going on oh uh, yeah there was there was <laughs> there was a while when i was thinking i'm just pretending to be fine am I just pretending to be fine or am I fine? And of course I had doubts because I have been ill for such a long time. But as I said, keeping your mind hygienic is very important. Observing your thoughts, seeing them and then correcting them and leading them into the right way. It's, that's why I was tired. I was actually in the beginning of the program, I was really tired and I slept a lot because my brain was working so hard every moment because I was trying to be conscious of everything that I do and I was trying to be conscious of every thought that comes. But of course, I was insecure in the beginning when I did the first exposures, like the first long exposures, like going to friend's house um, that, that live completely conventional, using fabric stuff and all that stuff. Um, I did feel a bit nervous, but it was really important to be aware of that and to, to calm myself down because that nervous feeling doesn't really help my nervous system, does it? <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, we're, we're, we're so uh, vulnerable. We can't afford to have a negative outlook because uh, you, you gotta, you're, you're unresourced. You've got to be as resourceful as you can to try and do something to move yes. forward, right? Uh, you just can't afford it and... and uh, um, Sometimes that's enough for people to find that resource. Um, and look, I guess one of the things I want to say is not everyone obviously have to, has, has that experience through the first six weeks. But I think one of the things that maybe people can hear, whether they're in the program or not, is the fact that you kind of hit the, pro, the ground running, you know, because you kind of aligned all your ducks in a row, so to say. You're in the right environment. You're fully convinced by the program even before you even got the education in the program i think you're already on board that hey this is neurological disease as well as the physical stuff that goes on and yeah i think that that is a really uh, important reason i think why you had that and so when people don't experience that mm -hmm. the thing is not like it isn't working for them but it's like they need to get that increment don't you think the increment so that they can engage in all the strategies like you did from day one yes absolutely you have to you have to engage a hundred percent into it just um, trust trust in the process trust that and that's their very important part i think if someone else might have told me everything you have told me like um a doctor naturopath or whatever i might have not taken it the way i took it but 
it was you, Dan. You had it. You've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You mm. walked that path by yourself. And I think people should trust that. Um, I saw that it was working for you. And it was. I didn't even speak to other people that were working with your program. I spoke to people that were working with uh, DNRS and Gupta. Yeah. And um, I knew what it was about. And as I said, there was a component missing for, for me there. And um, But yeah, you've got to have your mindset to it. Mm. Just mm. trust the process. Once you start the process, trust it 100%. Yeah, and follow through till you really get there to till till the end. That that is so key. Really keep going. You know, um, I mean, I say yeah. see some people who sort of take maybe three to six months to get to a point where you started, where they're getting the strategies in place because they couldn't even make a change to the diet. They couldn't even get out of bed. They couldn't. They're really diminished. It takes a while to be able to go and have a meeting with someone. So that's all progress. That's all progress, and you just got to keep building progress upon progress. How did you go with your physical activity early on? Did you get a lot of negative feedback from increasing? How did you balance that? Yeah, I did. Well, there were. It's it's difficult in the beginning um, to to get it starting like from such a low energy. Um, level to to even get it up a bit of course it's hurtful it's like building up muscles it's not comfortable mm. um i did have setbacks and i did have flare-ups in the beginning when i um started of course because i went overboard once again <laughs> and um then the next time i tried it less and mm. um that worked so i tried like a little more and that worked as well so I did mm. that for two, three days, and then I did a little more than that. So it's basically like building up mm. condition. It's basically yeah. just like that, but you have to start like very little. Like for instance, like people that are bed bound, <clears throat> like in the beginning, you start with you know only doing like like yoga poses in in your bed. <laughs> you sit up and you do a yoga pose, and then you're like ah. To me, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Lay down again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but applause because yeah. you did that. And, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Feel good about uh, your efforts and and your progress. Exactly. Yeah, morale. That's what, what you also say. Appreciate the progress is mm. really important to see mm. every little step that you keep mm. of taking more and trust it. Believe it that it's not just that day because. Um, the reason why I have I haven't gone public with my healing until now, until today, is um, because people telling me I'm just having a good day, a good month, or a good year, mm. or even good one and a half years, and it's gonna come back. You're just in remission. It's gonna come back. That's why I'm I distance myself because um, of course it's gonna come back if I feed my brain that information. You have to be very mindful about your expectations, don't you? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else about the rewire, rewiring or the meditation that you think was really important or any other insights that you think you would have gained during your experience that perhaps other people could benefit from? Something I forgot to ask, perhaps? Well... <clears throat> Um, well, since I did a lot of meditations, I, I actually switched meditations. I didn't only use your meditations, but I also went, well, I also did other meditations. For instance, what one of the meditations that I really like, might not be everyone's um, cup of tea, is the bucket meditation. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it, <laughs> but it's just awesome. No, um, no, this is such funny. It's a swearing meditation and okay. it's about fuck it and let all the shit go. Yeah. And because swearing can be very good for a system, hey. It can be good for our nervous system, for our yeah. body. Yeah. Swearing can be very good. Because and you're expressing your emotion <laughs> strongly, yeah? Exactly, exactly. And especially if it's something that's so fucked up, pardon my French. Mm. <laughs> uh, you sometimes just need something that's a bit more you know, hardcore, something yeah. that's like, fuck it, let it all go, let all this shit go. Yeah. Um, so I like doing that meditation in between. Um, but otherwise, actually, Dan, I've got no suggestions for you. 
except from that um i'm um i'm really grateful mm. for for your program um it's it's awesome mm. it's complete Thank you for saying that. it's um one whole program and what i really appreciate about your program is you saying if you've got that and that problem go check out a doctor or a mm. neuropath if you have that mm. go do something else You don't only say, okay, this is my program and this is the way you go. You do that 100%. You do nothing but that, that and that. That's it. That's what I really appreciate because we need to take more things in consideration. Different people, what you Absolutely. kept saying is different people have got different paths of healing. Mm -hmm. Every individual has got a bit of a different way of how they got to MCS. Mm -hmm. Now, how could it be the same solution of solving it? Of course, there are the four big steps, mm. the fundamentals that you need. Mm. But in between those, mm. there is a lot of differences. Mm. A lot of people need different things. For instance, the one person needs more hugs, the less the other person needs more distance in their lives with mm. their people. Like, you know, Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. One last question <laughs> I would like to ask you is, You know, you mentioned some trauma in your life. Um, yes. Did you, when you started the program, did you then engage in any kind of therapy to let go of, of those traumatic events or any negative emotions perhaps that you've been, uh, I mean, because you would have had lots of negative emotions if you've been sick that long, right? So did you have any therapy or was it mainly the, the processes in the program and the meditations or did you do anything in addition? Well, apart from your program, I, you also suggest to get a therapist to work with one. Mm. And, um, well, you know Pat, <laughs> but actually working with Pat okay. because we become, we've become friends. And, yeah. um, That's Pat Gurnick? Been, been yes, yes, girl, yes. Pat. Yes, yes she's Fantastic. an angel. Yeah. Uh, she's been she's been helping we, me with um, some of the emotional traumata going into that spiritual side of it and um, apart from that I've been working with EFT um, mm -hmm. the faster tapping yes um, which was very helpful um, I think that it is important to also work on trauma to mm. like solve the issue constantly mm. like to mm. have it gone forever and um, And did I you? also think it's not good to see a shrink for that, <laughs> if you no. ask me, because a shrink is not solving it on a good level, because mm. the mental level and the physical level, it's one thing, so you got to treat it as one. Mm. So, mm. Um, so yeah, with your work with Pat, I mean, how? what was that? Was it talking therapy or was it somatic? I mean, how did you get the trauma out? Uh, it was somatic therapy. Mm. Mm -hmm. I was basically, I was shaking it off. <laughs> shaking it off. Okay, so you like the shaking technique, but guided and like with somebody who's connecting you with your yes. experience as opposed to just exactly. in isolation. And, exactly. And so did you start that after the program, these, these mental therapies? And, and how long into, you know, at what stage did you start them? I mean, like, did you have to be well enough to start doing this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I started, I think... I started after your program. Mm -hmm. I think when I finished your program, that's when I started talking to Pat, mm -hmm. um, because I realized that the MCS had also left a big trauma in my life. Because yes. being homeless in Uruguay, losing your home, losing some friends, yeah. thank God I didn't lose all of my friends. I had a lot yes. of friends that stood by my side through this, but it was traumatic and um that's where i decided to start talking to to mm. pat about mm. it um mm. and it was very helpful mm. it was um also i think an important step on the way of staying healthy mm. Mm. because um, the mind can overcome a lot of things um but the soul if there's still scratch in the soul it's always going to bring you down again mm. so yeah mm. thank you I for think sure. it's really helpful If you have trauma, to resolve that in, mm. in a sensible way. Yeah, well done for taking those steps and, and congratulations on your recovery. And, uh, and look, yeah. is there any sort of final words you'd like to say to, uh, to the people out there with multiple chemical sensitivities as we wrap up? It is possible to heal. 
<laughs> if lots of people keep telling you healing is not possible, there's only remission, and um, you, you're never gonna get over this, you can just find a way to cope with it, live in isolation and distance yourself from all those things, don't believe them, please. Mm keep going for healing because i mean come on people this is no life mcs is no life mm. this is we don't have any life quality it's torture it's not life it's torture mm. and i'm telling you there is life out there for us and i'm going to enjoy it i'm going to ghana mm. and enjoy life teaching little kids <laughs> awesome awesome what, is there one experience you've had since you've recovered that where you just went wow i can't believe i'm doing it i mean it's probably be you know lots of things but is there one <laughs> thing that's stuck in your mind well there was like one there were actually a couple of moments um there was one that i remember very clearly <laughs> i visited my brother in the beginning um just after my recovery you know the first like mm. um real hard choice was going to my brother and staying there for a night and you know straubing town lots of smells and really horrible and um well we were just walking down the street and i was walking through a cloud of fabric softener because someone was having their dryer uh, to the their dryer vent to the street and it just blew right at me and I walked through it, and it just <laughs> smelled like it, it smelled like fresh laundry. Nice. And I was like, "Whoa, this smells like fresh laundry. There's nothing to it no more. There is this moment where you can't taste the chemicals at the back of your throat anymore, where mm. it's just a smell, where a sun, where a smell actually stays a smell and doesn't become a taste and and a fog. And that was just going through it, and that was like. Oh, laundry. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. I love that moment. Thank you so much for sharing that today, Julia. And thank you for yeah. sharing your journey. Yes, it was my favor. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. We hope you felt supported by it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us via cfsunravel.com. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. And you can leave a comment and a four or five star review if you feel so inclined. If you want to make sure you get your free copy of Discover Hope and get notified about all new recovery resources and interviews, including recovery interviews, subscribe to us via the website. Check out some of our other podcasts. I hope you'll join us again soon.